We're here. Right. We're on it. This one, I really, I'm, I'm the same with this one. I know nothing about this one at all. I'm excited. Uh, my pet rock is stupid. That's why I'm excited about it. It's like, yeah, how's this to... different? I guess this is where my first question is before we even start. How is it different than a kid who paints on a rock? Is that a thing no one did until like, I don't know. I don't, so. I mean, as we go through this, uh, my pet rock, um, we will like, definitely get to the point of like explaining how they move like their trajectory um Mm -hmm. because they end up painting rocks but like there's there is no difference some somehow there there is a couple websites and some videos that will try to put this um phenomenon into the middle of like oh the reason is because of the culture thing and we'll talk about that a little bit but it's such a bad idea that I don't know that any culture like is perfect for this. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a gimmick, right? That's, so. Yeah. And that's what it keeps coming back to. It's a gimmick. It's a gag. It's a, whatever you want to call it. Um, but first, please tell me all that you know about my pet rock. So all that I know about my pet rock is I have an image of a font type okay. that says my pet rock on it, a box yep. with like a couple holes. Yeah. Like a, brown cardboard box with a couple holes and i can't even tell you what the rocks look like or if there were variations or they're all just random just junk rocks or they you know they had any detailing or designs on them at all i'm guessing they didn't uh but i i don't even know what any of them look like but that's all i have so it's like this weird image that maybe i saw flipping through like you know like you'll see those shows and they'll say like the 70s maybe it was the 60s whatever it was and they'll show different iconic imagery and they'll have like that picture and then that's it. And that's all I have in my brain. So yeah, so hey, nothing, that's nothing that is really perfect. That's right. The pet rock introduced in 1975 was billed as the 70s alternative to man's best friend. It was maintenance free, never needed walking or to be fed. And at a cost of less than $5, it came with an owner's manual and a specially designed box with air holes. Let's take a look at our flashback segment. What's the craze? For my grandson, who slept on a large rock about that big for years. <laughs> Don't you think he deserves it? When I've grown to be a man. Well, these are the show rocks, Jim, as you can see. These are very elegant, what we call our blue ribbon collection. Now, I would say that our pedigree rocks are very feisty. Well, I'm going to do what the book says, take it home and give it a lot of love and uh, make a nice place for it in the kitchen. Our rock wouldn't be happy in a carrier such as we sell what we might call the mongrel rock in. Right. And this is up to the customer, you know, what kind of a home they want to make for the rock. Okay. So here we go. Um, invented in 1975 by Gary Dahl. So um, Gary Dahl just finds his beginnings as a freelance advertising copywriter. I don't know what that is. I just know that he starts out in the advertising world. So he's got some kind of bearing on what the world is going to want. Um, and the same as when we talked about the sectars. Um, 
this idea also starts in a bar. Okay. Very weird. So he yeah. goes out with his friends and somehow along the night, um, they start talking about the destructiveness of pets and it moves from the destructiveness to like pets need maintenance. And so Gary offhandedly makes a joke and says, don't worry. I don't need to worry about pets. I have a pet rock. And then ends the night and heads home. That night, he immediately starts working on the owner's manual <laughs> to the My Pet Rock. There's an um, owner's manual? Okay, that makes yeah. it better immediately. And we'll Fever talk, dream. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. We'll, st- we'll talk about the owner's manual because it's not anything small. Like the new ones you get, they're very small. I, I bought mm-hmm. a, a newer one to see what it was like. Um, very small owner's manual. But in the original one, it was like 36 pages. Oh, my God. That's awesome. So he um, is making this owner's manual. And to him, it still is a gag. It's still Mm -hmm. only in the joke section until he also started designing the box and making the like the holes. It -hmm. became a real idea. So he takes this idea and he goes to a couple friends. And um, at the time, he's having a lot of financial troubles. Like as a freelance advertising copywriter, I don't know how much you're needed or how much you're desired, but he's having a lot of like financial stuff going on with him. So he goes to a couple of friends, uh, George Coakley and John Haggerty, and they came and invested 10,000, which is like $55,000 now Mm -hmm. all for a gag. So like he went to his buddies and went, Hey, give me some money for this silly idea. So whatever he had silly wise, whether it was whatever the reason that they gave him the money, uh, pretty funny because essentially like just thinking about a guy who's struggling, he doesn't even have to be struggling, but that's part of the story. So thinking about a guy who's struggling a little bit, who's spending his time writing a owner's manual for a rock Yep. Is hilarious. Like, can you, like, honey, what are you working on right now? I'm real busy working yeah. on my rock thing. And see, we like, I could manifest anything into anything. So, like, I could sit there and be like super fascinated by this idea, continue to build it out. And, you know, I'm telling my wife, and my wife's like, you are nuts. Like, what <laughs> are you doing? My wife will eventually join me, though, and she'll start being on my level or my planet. And then she'll start adding stuff. And then her stuff's way better than mine. Yeah. But, like, that idea that, like, he's feeding off of, this one comment, an accident, feeds off of it, creates a, a manual, creates a design, goes through this whole thing. Like I love that birth of something where it goes from like just wacky to you starting to make a real thing. And then the investment or this taking an idea that's just in your head and then manifesting it into a real thing. The investment that goes into it, the way, yeah. the way like I think that's some of the coolest stuff just around or don't hear about so anyway sorry i interrupted but no 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 you're good um that's why i chose you for these episodes <laughs> you you got it so uh doll he is asked later on about his hopes for marketing this and and so he starts to talk about how when he marketed it it was near the end or it was end uh or the vietnam war had just ended and watergate was still fresh in everyone's mind so everyone was still depressed nationally so he was hoping to create a, a gag that would brighten everyone's day, which it's, is, it's great. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we had talked before. Um, 
he started figuring out how to ship and how to get all these things in. And I didn't know how he got all the rocks because I knew they came from Rosarito. Well, he worked with a local sand and gravel company that shipped rocks in and was buying them for like pennies on the dollar. Sure. So he creates his first thing included in the box was a rock on wood shavings um, with a box that was had holes and had basic writing, a specific font, but definitely a basic font with a uh, sorry, 34 page booklet on (laughs) how to care for this rock. And he took this and unveiled it at the San Francisco gift show in August of 1975. This toy blew up. (laughs) <laughs> and so much so that like um it like passed what thing passed what he thought it would do so neiman marcus which you wouldn't think would buy something like this bought a thousand units that's weird uh, yeah and then bloomingdale's also put their hat in the ring to get orders so in like, august why? yeah go ahead. like right. why why is this resonating i I mean, I think it's funny too, but like what, I don't know, man. That just fascinating. Continue. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you have these stores like Neiman Marcus and Bloomingdale's that are very specific to what they do now. And back then it seems like they're just getting anything to figure out what they're going to do. Like maybe more general or, or, you know, like there's their, uh, what do you call them? Uh, uh, whatever department stores, but the department store is like got every type of thing within the department, not just clothes or not. Just, right. You know, right. So he, um, comes around and he is like, okay, let's do this. He sends off orders to them during that holiday season that like, um, September, October, November, December area around just there. He's uh, getting to a point where he's selling a hundred thousand a day. Oh my god! Each rock was three dollars and ninety five cents, and eventually he was he in just like a month or two surpassed one point five million dollars in um, sales. And Coakley and uh, Haggerty, the guys that initially invested, they each got a check for two hundred thousand dollars. Like of their initial investment and doll said, you know what? I'm going to be even better and bought both of them Mercedes. Nice. Yeah. So, um, in the first couple months, doll earned more than a million dollars and he was only collecting 95 cents of the three ninety five, uh, sold like as they were selling. I think what's crazy is this is one of the initial toy like designs where everyone says like, Oh no, profit needs to be way up. Mm-hmm. He's collecting 95 cents. So the so, rest of it, like the two bucks is the book, the, the shavings, the rock itself. Yeah. And the box. So three ninety five altogether. Shipping, yeah. So he is like not doing, like not scraping it in, but he ends up earning upwards of $15 million. Wow. And this is only alive for about six to eight months. So wow. he becomes crazy rich. So um, Dahl had a following and he um, just was doing super well. Uh, good old Coakley and uh, Haggerty come back around and they see his crazy success. So they sue him. Oh, no. Yep. They sue him because they claim that they had gotten, they had not gotten a large enough percentage 
but they were both based on their initial investment. He right. pays them out $200,000 a piece, buys them a Mercedes, and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That yeah. was fine when it was a million, but now that it's $15 million, we need to talk about an adjustment to the, the Yeah, I need six more Mercedes. Ratio, yeah. Right? <laughs> so um, they, he, they settle it outside of court and everything. He issues them checks, and it's done. Um, the rock plummets. It plummets sure. quickly um, to the point where he can't get sales going anymore. So he starts making other investments, um, lesser oh. known, but he's made two that are out there. The sand breeding kit. I've never heard of that. It comes in a package and there's two tubes of sand and it comes with a book on how to breed them. Oh my god! Um, and then the earthquake in a can, in which you like twist what? the top thing, and then it goes crazy. Both very stupid like ideas for a toy, um, but it went along the idea of the gag that he was looking for. Right, right. It sounds like he's trying to replicate it. Right. It's it's the the magic beans right, right. in the bag. Right. So he's trying to find. All right. So I did this once. How how to replicate yeah. the thing. You know, so if you think like, like pop art or any sort of manufacturing thing, cupcakes, right? Okay. So you sell cupcakes. How do I replicate cupcakes? Okay, yeah. We were just talking about it, like with, with Reese's, right? So you have a, a peanut butter cup. All right. Peanut butter cups are winning. How do I make more people buy peanut butter cups? Well, create variations. So he tries to like pet rocks running out of steam. What's my next, those two ideas don't sound nearly as good though. They're near, they're not nearly as clean. Right, right, right. They don't work. Uh, anything that has to do with breeding, probably. What do they not. look like? Because that's what, the other thing about this pet rock thing is the art on the design. Yeah, I swear is like fifty percent of what you're looking at is the. It's so eye catching. The design, it, it's pulling you in. Like I said, like the font is the one of the first things I think about because it's like this. This, if anybody's seen it, it looks like little pills basically. Yeah, uh, where there's where it's like the this bubbly font that's had lines cut through it. And it's yeah. just anyway, that to me, like that look, I don't even know if that's a font you can buy, but like it, it super jumps out. Um, so. The breeding kit looked like this book that would open up that had all the stuff in it. Um, and then on the back, it was his picture and a write up about it. Um, gotcha. And then the earthquake in a can, I can't find his because so many companies started producing them. I see the sand kit here. So I looked up the sand one. Yep. It's good. It's good. It's it's a really cool like logo and like a stamp and things like that. It's yeah, you know, but here's what's funny. When I looked it up, that he has it. It's right here in front of him. Uh what comes up when I look up the sand breeding kit? Mini Zen Garden. Yeah. <laughs> That's what comes up. Now, so if you think about it, those sell everywhere. I've gotten at least three of those in my life, right? Yeah. Different versions of it, right? That's actually the same idea as pet yeah. rock, right? It's just junk. But it's sort of funny in like in all the different ways that like pet rock works. Yeah, Zen Garden works too, right? Uh, and there's a tactile element to the Zen Garden, which is kind of fun. And like, there's colorful versions, and there's the original. Like, and like that's it. Like, yeah. I wish he'd made that one because it feels like that would be wheelhouse for him. Oh, so anyway. yeah. So he um, is not having much success with anything else. So he ends up moving to Los Gatos. And opens a or renovates a bar. Mm -hmm. He then moves into which he was there for a long time, um, and hated having such a local 
like about facing because people knew he was the inventor of the pet rock. And so they would come give him his, their dumb ideas. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, constantly. So he then moved into sailboat brokering, which was like a weird thing. And then he eventually returned to advertising and he authored the next um, advertising for dummies in 2001. He eventually died in March 23rd of 2015 at 78. Wow. The uh, So advertising for dummies, is that like just like one of the four dummies books or did he do that independently on his own? Uh, one of the dummies books. They helped. They, gotcha. they were like, let's do this. Um, so here is a, a couple other things that kind of are a little weird about this. Um, later on, he would have interviews. In one of the interviews, uh, the Topeka Capital Journal in 1999, he says this: "Most investors call me, or most inventors call me, because they've come up with their own novelty idea—a pet stick, pet poop, pet gravel. I've seen them all. They're all stupid." <laughs> um, so he went on to later even complain at the fact, even with all his money and success. Right. He had created this because it was just a gag and it was right. just a, the, the problem was it put him in such a weird facing, like a uh, culture facing view that everyone wanted to share their own ideas, but they didn't know how to do it. Right. Um, and it became a weird <laughs> thing because his, it became a weird thing because his idea was the first and you can only pull the same gag over on people one time. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you have to have like, like, yeah, exactly what you said. Like yeah. trying to replicate the success of pet rock. Yeah. Is, I mean, here's what I think, like how, what of a bummer that must've felt like when, you know, pet rock starting to fall apart yep. and you're, you, you've either been working on new ideas or you're trying to work on new ideas and you're trying to say, how do I replicate the thing that came to me as a fever dream, right? All the joy and the fun that probably came out of that, all the, all the crazy energy that came out of it. How do I replicate that? How do I create that new spark? Yeah. Right. And I can, I can imagine how frustrating that is because yeah. you nailed it, right? You hit a home run on your first at bat and then you're like, how do I replicate that? Right. What, what do I do to go back to it in like the, the experimenting or the trying for the other things, it's almost like maybe I wish I hadn't come up with the first thing because like the yeah. stress that, and, and like it's meant it's personal stress. Maybe it's financial stress and things like that that came with the two. But like part of it is just like, I did one thing. Yeah. Why can't I do the other thing? Right. And I don't know, hopefully he had this at some point in his life, but if he had, if there was ever a spot in his life where he was able to take a step back and go, I fucking nailed it one time. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, and enjoy that, right? Yeah. Cause there's probably a ride where he was enjoying it and then it starts to become stressful when it stops working or people yeah. are suing you or whatever. So I'm just hoping that at some point in his life, he went, I nailed it that one time. Maybe that's all I had. Right. Yeah. It, but most people don't get that. Right. So like don't recognize where you were and went, Hey, uh, the, at least I did it that one thing. So it's probably annoying to have people come up to you all the time and say, Hey, I got an, I got one for you. It's the pet, you know, whatever leaf or whatever. Yeah. That's probably really annoying. But I hope at some point he had that moment where he realized everybody that came up to him with that one idea was inspired by his dumb idea. 
right. and his one dumb idea working made them all think just a little bit, that's a win-win for everybody here, right? We all yeah. thought laterally for a half a second. That's kind of that's kind of better than the thing he came up with. And it's and, still around. That's the thing yeah. that's cool too. Well, you know? yeah, so it's owned now by Rosebud Entertainment mm-hmm. LLC. Um, and it is expensive now. So you can't is it really <laughs> Yeah, you can get like an original one for like 50 bucks, like from 1975. But now um some of the ones I've seen are like $29 for like a <laughs> new version. And people are buying these things and they're like it's crazy. They're still selling. They're on Etsy. It's like, right. what the hell is happening? It's still like a effective, uh, in a way, the joke's still working, right? right. Because now the joke, joke plus nostalgia, is yeah. still working, right? All this time later, uh, that's great though. Yeah, and it, I, think, I wouldn't pay that much for it, but but it, but at five, at eight, yeah, you'd probably get me right. Yeah, ten points is probably my threshold for that. Ten points, ten bucks is probably my threshold for that joke. Yeah, but like if you do it right around there, you probably still get me. You know, yeah, and it's like uh, that's awesome. It probably would be about fifteen dollars now if it kept in with inflation and all that. Three ninety five, it's probably like fifteen bucks, um, maybe twenty. But man, going on thirty bucks is is crazy for this. Steve, can you imagine? Like though, it'd be fun if you had an event with a bunch of fun gags, right? All these gag things like fake gum or or like uh, you know uh, fake. Uh, vomit or whatever and pet rock being right in with that whole group like if you're if you're going to a store and they sell those kind of things right toy store with extra gags and things like that you're just you're gonna move one of those pretty pretty regularly not all the time but let's say you bought 10 of them yeah you probably move close to 10 a year even if you know just because people come in and go like ah oh, this thing yeah that's kind of funny i'll get that as a gift for whoever for my dad or, or yeah. whatever you know what i mean like i still see I understand why people still might buy it. The same thing is, like I said, like the mini Zen garden in a way. Yep. People still buy them because they still – I don't know what to get somebody. Do I get them a candle? Do I get them like uh, – you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, this is kind of nice. All those end cap things you get, like when you go to a store, especially yep. around Christmas time. You know, you're in a Borders or a bookstore and they've got all those little things like stick this in there. It still would move, you know, like yeah. – so. It's and, fun. And it's tough to to articulate like why it's so crazy and because uh, so many people know and, like they know about these ideas and um, he eventually like there were little ideas that he went on to try to create like the bicentennial uh, pet rock he tried to create that which <laughs> had the like American flag painted on it and stuff right and, uh, none of those ever even came close to taking off. Right, right. Because yeah, you're trying to like plus one. Right? Yeah, it's like the thing, the thing that worked plus one. And right. Does that does that work for you now? And sometimes that's super hard to sell. Yeah. Because it just feels like it just feels like that whole thing. Like uh, there's a term I hear all the time, and I hate this term because that's what everybody's trying to do. Is they'll say cash grab. Right. Yep. That, what what they mean by it is that they're trying to capitalize on a moment. To make money, which is exactly what you're intending to do in the first place. So cash grab seems weird to me as a term because that's just what that is, yeah. right? Is you're trying to make money. But then it, there's something ingenuine about saying this worked. Now, if I plus one this, it should work again, right? Huh? And something about a consumer, <laughs> typically we can sniff it and go, nah, no, I don't good. buy it. I don't yeah. buy it. It feels ingenuine now. Something about pet rock 
feels genuine because the idea is so clear. Yeah. Right. It's the other variations on it start to feel like, uh, maybe that's not, you know, it's not a winner. I don't know. Or it just feels less cool. Something yeah. about it. Right. So that's welcome to my pet rock. I like it. I, uh, yeah, I want to see what the look was for the, what was the other one you said? There was the, the sand breeding, which I've seen here. Yeah. Earthquake uh, in a can. Earthquake in a can. That one's really hard to find because other companies started picking up. This was kind of one of the first like crazy gags that picked up and like went. And it's really tough for us to like, you, (laughs) you see a lot of the other companies. Genuine California earthquake in a can. Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. But yeah, it, it looks like there's a lot of variations, like somebody else picked up on this or different regions picked up on it or or whatever. And it also looks like it's a drink or a beer now. Oh, so, it reminds so. me a lot of like those gag uh, toys where it's like the force and it's an empty blister or like my dad that's gone or whatever. Right, right. Like that, or that this ended up leading. I don't know when Sea Monkeys came out, if it was prior to this or after, but if this led to that, it would not be a shocking thing. Right. Or even like, yeah, like this being, let's say Sea Monkeys was first. Yeah. That being embedded in someone's psyche so that when they're in a bar and they're having a conversation and they go, well, I mean, my pet's easy to take care of. It's a pet rock. I have a rock. And then going ding, 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 like, and that's starting to work. Yeah. Is part of the reason that they're able to come to that conclusion is because as a kid, they saw a thing that was useless or no value, but the gag is the value, right? Yeah. So like you mentioned the empty blister joke. Yep. That only works if the joke associated with the empty blister is, is an out of the parker, right? You've got to nail that. Uh, and if you don't nail it, you're repli- you have the plus one effect again because you're yep. doing like, well – yeah, but everybody's pulled that that prank and you just have to it has to be genuine enough that when you do it. So like even if a company like Super 7 did the Invisible Man, right? So you see the Invisible Man empty blister and you go, "Okay. I I can I can I can feel it. Uh Sucklord does the Invisible Sucklord. His is a wrinkle better than the Invisible Man from Super 7 cuz he made an internal blister to it like it was present within yeah. the packaging, not just the blister on there, a little bit, you know, stepped up or that you mentioned, I think it was the death by toys one. Uh, again, death by toys selling death by toys. Now that is yeah. his brand. So him nailing that with an empty blister. I mean, that's just smack on exactly his type of thing. Right. So if you like him, it's going to win with you. Right. And yeah. actually I think that's probably of the three that I know. Of, I'm sure there's tons of them. It's one of the best. Right. Oh, thoughts yeah. And players, thoughts and prayers in an empty blister is hilarious. Yeah. Right. It works for anybody who wants to be a smart ass. It yep. works for anybody that likes his stuff. It works for anybody who's like sort of digging it. So like there's so much working for that one that it just nails it. Right. And yeah. it doesn't feel ingenuine. That is exactly his style. And and you go like, yeah, I'll pay 10 bucks or whatever it is yeah, for that one. I'll take yeah. it. Right. And, and even like the suckler one, like you can see like, his joke built in and then he's one upping the joke by making an internal blister. That's sort of like, I don't know. There's so many parts to it that like, yeah, this is working in a lot of levels. It's centralized to a particular audience, but it's still working. You know what I mean? So like, I love that those jokes, I am super jealous of those jokes. 
Cause I don't know that I ever could figure out how to do one of those. Uh, but like when you start thinking that way and then people like who do that kind of thing and they think that way, like the pet rock guy, just to go back to him. Like when you start thinking that way, your brain starts to, it's like you're unlocking a whole way of different way of looking at things. Looking yeah. at everything is sort of like, is this punchline sellable punchline? Right. And, and, and what gag can I make out of useless, ordinary things, right? Useless, ordinary thing. That should be a, a toy, right? Yeah. Useless, ordinary toy or a junk toy that, you know, nobody wants. Or I remember somebody saying like, look, I got this toy and it was broken in the box. And I was like, or was it a broken toy in a box? Like that's yeah. what you bought. Do you think, you think that was a flaw, but was that exactly the intention of the piece, right? Yeah. No, it was a consumer toy that somebody bought, but like, there's a great gag there. Oh, there's parts and pieces. Yeah. Or, or make your own or anything like that. Like once you start thinking like that, you start to see there's like a thousand ideas in that. It's just, does everybody want that or do they want that? That's the, right. the part to pet rock just nails. Yeah. Know, so. mm-hmm.